0: Really focus on what your business objectives are as a company, not like from a partnership perspective, but what are the the C-level or strategic imperatives you have as a company, and think about how ecosystem can create force multipliers around those imperatives. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this
1: podcast, Vince Minzion, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Minzion. Welcome to or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. Software is eating the world, and the capital markets fueling the growth are taking notice of the power of ecosystems. My next guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering is no stranger to this world of ecosystems. Adam Massey joins this episode for a unique conversation, given his roles leading ecosystem strategy at Google and now leading ISV strategy at a top Google partner, Sada. I hope you enjoyed this stimulating conversation on hyperscalers, ecosystems, and Google as much as I enjoyed welcoming. Adam Massey. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that
0: PartnerTap
1: has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. Adam Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vince. I
0: appreciate it. I'm excited to be here.
1: I am so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering for what I hope to be a stimulating conversation on hyperscalers, ecosystems, and Google. So welcome. Thank you.
0: I feel like this is a podcast I've wanted to do for a really long time, so I'm excited to be here.
1: So you had a stellar career in tech. You spent 12 years at Google. That's like a lifetime in sales and partner roles. And recently joined SADA, an organization that we all know and love. Tony Savoyan's been a guest on this podcast five-timer now on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And SADA is a rocket ship in this space. Can you tell our listeners more about you, your background, and this new role at SADA?
0: I joined Google in 2007. My claim to fame was I was the first enterprise business guy at the time figuring out how to launch Google Apps, which of course is now Google Workspace and a huge business. But back in those days, SaaS was still pretty new, especially in in the context of email and productivity. So I had the fun job of joining Google to go convince large enterprises that they should move their email off of on-premise exchange into Google's data centers, which at the time was not super popular because everybody thought we were an advertising company or we're going to read their email and advertise to them and or a consumer company. It was so fun to go build that business and challenge the traditional email approaches like IBM and Microsoft. And that kicked off my career. A couple years in, our VP of sales approached me and asked me to help build out the channel for Google Enterprise, And that was really where my career forked. And I started to get more into channel and ecosystem development. And I felt at that time i didn't really know what i was doing and i think it's partly because google was this really interesting tech SaaS company trying to build a channel and at the time channels were still i think cast more in the old mold and so we were trying to figure out what does channel look like with the SaaS business that you're trying to build and so it was a super fun run i stayed at google for many more years in various different ecosystem leadership roles across gcp globally And then I ultimately took on the ISV ecosystem as my last gig at Google. For me, Vince, that was the piece. Like, I was sitting here looking at Google as a challenger in the cloud space, certainly to AWS and Microsoft. And the big glaring thing to me was like, we have to build ISV ecosystem. And I know this will be a theme in our talk today. I just got really passionate about it. And at the time, it was being done ad hoc by product leaders across Google Cloud, And so that was something I got very passionate about was proactively going out and seeking technology partnerships to integrate with run on Google cloud and go to market with us. That leads me to my new role at SADA, where Tony asked me to come on board and help really build out this global function around scaling ISV and marketplace sales within SADA, which I'm extremely excited
1: about. And we were talking about there's 185,000 SaaS software companies, right? So this whole ISV ecosystem is just growing exponentially. I think our friend Jay McBain says it's going to be at about a million by the end of the decade. I used to call partner to partner back in the Microsoft days, but this recognition that it really is multiple organizations coming together to solve for a customer, for a client need, and you can't do it alone. And these organizations need help, and you help them scale.
0: I think that's one of the big evolutions. Like Partnering and channel is certainly not a new concept. A lot of early tech companies depended on that as a route to market for the final mile, for the customer, for implementation. But as you're alluding to, it was very technology company partner to go implement or integrate. I think what we're seeing now is a shift to really more of the true ecosystem component where business outcomes are not enabled by a single technology. They're enabled by multiple technologies some are inherently integrated but many are not they have to run on a cloud virtually in a platform there's so many different facets to how to enable the customer outcome which is really the ultimate goal and especially at Sata, we are passionate about customer experience customer value customer outcomes and so we're viewing this really as it's like this canvas where you can paint with lots of different technologies, services, and managed services to make your customer highly successful. And those customers, by the way, are running a million miles an hour. So that's where the value creation really is.
1: So SADA has been a five-time Google Partner of the Year. So you got to see them on the other side of the journey, now coming over here. And they've grown substantially, right? They're incredible growth. They're a rocket ship. I was hoping you could take us a little deeper as to the importance of the role to fuel the growth.
0: So I've worked with SADA for a long time. I think Tony and I first started working together in 2007 or 2008 when I was at Google. So this very much feels in many ways like I'm coming home or full circle. One of the things about my role as VP of ISV and marketplace sales is the idea that, or the acknowledgement that as we are forming relationships with large customers or customers of all sizes, really, and helping them to migrate to the cloud, modernize on the cloud, drive business transformations on the cloud. We are all in on GCP. They are our cloud partner. But the outcomes on GCP that our customers are trying to drive often go beyond the portfolio of services that Google has to offer. More and more, again, coming back to that concept around business outcomes, we arrive in this position of a trusted advisor with our customer. We've helped them migrate to the cloud or do incredible things initially. Often that first motion is around probably more infrastructure or an application like workspace. And then they start looking to us as their partner and their advisor to start talking about what are different areas where they're trying to modernize or drive outcomes. Examples would be cybersecurity is one, or data and analytics, or infrastructure modernization. In those areas, We're not saying, hey, here's a bunch of products. We're saying, what are you trying to accomplish? And then helping them knit together the suite of technologies to make that happen. And so we're in this position already, bringing partners into that conversation as part of the solution to the customer's challenge they're trying to solve for. My role is really just a formalization of that and an acknowledgement of the opportunity, A, and also B, just being proactive. Instead of being reactive, being proactive and creating multi-technology solutions that meet our customers' needs. We see a huge opportunity to drive growth. Yes, we've grown a ton since we've doubled down on Google as our cloud partner. We believe that the ISV ecosystem opportunity could potentially double our business because the opportunity in the addressable market is so big. Being focused on Google also brings with it a very frothy, exciting ecosystem that we want to drive solutions around, monetize, create services for, and ultimately make our customers successful.
1: Yeah. You built out your own ecosystem, which is astounding. You're the trusted advisor to the customer. And we talk about the seats at the table, the digitization of tech and how buyers are going through the journey differently now than they did five or 10 years ago. And they're relying on the people that they trust. And you're one of the
0: trusted. We take that very seriously. When a customer makes a large multi-year commitment to Google Cloud, with us as their partner in many cases, that's their biggest single point of spend outside of human capital. It's really important to be partnered around that and helping them to from everything from like financial optimization to think about how to use that commitment as wisely as possible and optimize costs based on business outcomes, but also to think about customer success and new opportunities and ensure that they de-risk that commitment by finding really, really healthy growth on the cloud. So we're in that position. We take very seriously and we focus on value creation, but that in itself puts us in a position to have this bird's eye view where we can identify emerging opportunities for ecosystem partners and bring them into the conversation. There's very much a crawl, walk, run, right? We'll start to identify patterns of business problems we can solve with partner technologies we'll form commercial partnerships, we'll get those implemented. And then from there, you get in a position where you can start to build managed services and professional services and practices around either these solutions or even specific partnerships. And that's where it gets like really exciting.
1: So it's not just about taking an ISV solution and reselling it. You're building a practice around it, a deployment practice, a consultative approach to going after the customer, stitching all together the solutions providing all the services, maybe managed services and the like around those solutions, correct? If you're just
0: providing a transaction, you're going to get disintermediated eventually. We've seen that in history. If you're not thinking from the customer's perspective of what is valuable, and also from the ISV's perspective, you're going to you're gonna be short-sighted and you're going to miss. And so when we look at it from those two perspectives, it points very much to a roadmap of increased levels of engagement management services, because A, the customer is looking to reduce complexity. And frankly, the ISVs, they like customer, they like lead gen and opportunity or customer acquisition. But if beyond that, there's not some meat on the bone around how do we help them drive healthy adoption and growth, I think you'll get challenged down the road. So that's how we look at it. We try to put ourselves in our partner's shoes and our customer shoes.
1: And so how do you also act as a conduit? Because you've got a fairly significant organization now. You're interfacing with Google's significant enterprise selling organization. You're touching all of these customer touch points. And then you're also working across all of your partners' organizations and touch points. What does that look like? Frankly, it's pretty nascent right
0: now. So we're building this out. What I'm doing in the initial phase is I'm building a team very, very specific ISV partner specialist sellers in every region. We've been doing this for a while, but it was a little bit more opportunistic and reactive. So our regional sales leadership and account execs were already identifying connection points there. But by staffing up a team of specialists in every region, it enables a like really specific accountability to the business and to our partners. Be the ability to be actively looking for opportunities based on our partners' use cases, ideal customer profiles, key pain points and things that they solve in our existing customer base, which is thousands of customers, and also actively partnering on with our field teams on weekly forecasts and listening for opportunities. That puts us in a position to be very purposeful about looking for opportunities and bringing in the right partners. What I think that looks like as we grow and develop is, it's not valuable to show up to a customer with the logo slide of 100 logos and go, hey, what do you need? I'm very much driving towards this concept of almost like a solutions catalog or solutions pillars so that we can say, "Sata is very good at customer acquisition, but then as that customer's working through the life cycle with Google and they get on the platform and they're seeing initial successes, being in a position to go in and have really an advisory conversation around cybersecurity is an example. And in that conversation, do discovery and learn about challenges and pain points that are a fit for not only Google services, but also ISV partner solutions as well. And so that I think is how it has to evolve. It has to be centric and very discovery centric. And then also a little bit further out, you start to interlock things like our customer engineering and solution architectures team and our professional services organization. And there's incredible opportunities to start to like really combine all these things in a way that drives immense customer value. We're in the crawl, walk, run. So we're in the crawl phase right now where I'm trying to get the baseline coverage and some sales discipline in place. But I'm tightly partnered with like our pro-serve leaders and our sales leaders around this mission. And I'm excited to evolve it very rapidly because the business is moving fast.
1: We're at a seminal point, I believe. Post-pandemic, the acceleration of everything that we've seen these last two years. And a good friend and podcast guest, Alan Adler, who's been really vocal been several people have been really vocal about ecosystems recently. It was quoted as saying, capital markets are taking notice of the power of ecosystems. Andreessen Horowitz, Bessemer Venture Partners, specifically leaning in toward ecosystem-driven pipelines and ecosystem dominant business practices, which is a big change from just a couple of years ago in terms of how organizations thought about go-to-market. The C-suite can run, but it cannot hide partner ecosystems are the future and companies that don't go to ecosystems together lose. What do you think about that comment? And what are you seeing in terms of the shifts towards ecosystems?
0: Yeah. So I love that quote. I certainly took notice and I agree with it. And I've seen, I stay I try to stay close to the some of the VC community and I'm seeing in some of the investments there and more and more ecosystem driven companies both that are ecosystem oriented in their business, as well as frankly building solutions right around ecosystem enablement. I think the big shift from my mind, like partnering isn't new, but what I'm seeing is the big shift, that's the step change is going from channel to ecosystem. And those are two different things. The thing that is so powerful right now, the trends we are seeing of customers more and more and more wanting to use the cloud platform commitments they're making and marketplace as a way to simplify and unify more and more of their enterprise purchases. And this is not a Google-specific thing. I think it's a trend we're seeing across all the major hyperscalers. But with Google in particular, a lot of customers are starting to say, hey, like I have existing spend. I want to move over to the marketplace to connect and simplify my billing and consume my bigger cloud commitment. New purchases, I want to prioritize and look for opportunities to buy solutions that integrate with and consume my cloud commitments. And so it's a really interesting sort of shift in gravity in the way that companies are looking at enterprise software, procurement, provisioning, integration, and it's creating like really interesting economic opportunities for partners who play into that really, really well. It's very new though, right? So like, as I go out and talk to ISVs, most ISVs have no concept of a indirect sales model or program in a cloud marketplace. Like we are breaking ground on that with almost everybody right now. And even the hyperscalers are figuring out how to productize this and enable partners like SADA to be able to create composite marketplace offerings that include multiple ISVs plus services. Make no mistake, we will be getting there very, very quickly. The market's going this way. And it kind of makes sense. It's sort of like these customers have are making huge commitments to cloud because it's where they run their network, their storage, their compute. It's where they run their business. And it makes a lot of sense to consolidate purchases and billing and consumption around some of those models. So that in itself is creating a really interesting addressable business opportunity. And I agree with Alan, I think the partners or the ISVs who see that trend and make the right moves to position for taking advantage of that early are going to see immense benefits from it. I I find it extremely exciting and I literally have been watching this trend. Like a couple of years ago, nobody bought like enterprise software on the marketplace. They would test drive and do trials there And eventually they would go to a direct agreement. That's shifting dramatically. And we're seeing like seven, even eight figure deals sometimes go down on on these cloud marketplaces now. So it's really, really cool to see.
1: Yeah, you bring up several key points here, right? This whole move, this shift to marketplace is still early days, but everyone is. I knew Microsoft put a stake in the ground when they lowered their fees. Microsoft, Amazon, Google, all allowing you to buy off of your commit, right? So putting incentives for customers. They want to keep you on the platform. They want to start driving the right activity around the marketplaces. And then marketplaces, I think, also take a lot of the friction out of what we do today, right, or what we've been doing in the past. ISVs, there's a very manual process for a custom solution or bespoke solution or even a SaaS solution. Then you layer in another partner, a customer, and you try to put this all together it's labor intensive, it's complex and marketplaces, they streamline a lot of this and they become a flywheel to this whole ecosystem concept that you discuss.
0: Yep. They really do. I think it's also, it's it's hard, right? Because there are a lot of people who have seen their fair share of kind of like Barney partnership agreements done where there's like (laughs) big announcements, but not a lot of teeth in it. Don't see a lot of traction from it. So this is where I also get kind of excited about this because the execution model on some of these marketplace partnering frameworks are really tangible. Like you can really execute together. There's a bunch of tips I have on, I think, how to do that well and how not to, but definitely seeing a shift. And I think it's sparking. I think this ecosystem trend that you highlighted is happening anyway, but I think this marketplace thing is one element of it that's
1: accelerating that trend in very material ways. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens. And now their product, AG1, has become my go-to green drink supplement. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. I talk about a set of operating principles around what makes successful partnerships, great partnerships, mindset, executive commitment, maniacal focus, and agility are some of those key aspects. And I look at some of these ISV organizations and I say they have some work to do here, but I do believe that the shift we're seeing is starting to change the mindset in some of these organizations. And when I think about mindset, executive commitment, monocle focus, and agility as those key principles, I also think about SADA quite a bit as embodying many of these great partnering principles. What principles do you believe are fundamental to tech organizations looking to drive their own successful ecosystems?
0: The first one I'll highlight, which I'm really hot on at the moment, it's kind of tactical, but I think it's so critical, which is just having ownership and accountability for a partnership. If it's somebody's second or third job, it's not going to get focus, And I think that's true on both sides of the partnership. So having really good ownership and accountability is key. The other one that is a little bit more macro and focus is the partnership has to make sense, right? If it's not clear what the benefit and the value is on both sides of the equation, A and B, to your customers are, That tends to, and you see that sometimes, right? You see partners get together with great hopes, but it requires strange and unnatural acts to go to market together. Those are likely not going to fit as well. I'm not saying there's not room for creative partnerships, but alignment is really key. Have a common success metric that you're driving for together that matters to both businesses, and that's going to be key. So those are the two that I'm pretty highly focused on right now. When you start talking about, hey gives and gets with a partner, you need to be able to operationalize that and have somebody accountable for executing it. And a lot of like, that sounds so basic, right? I know it does, but it's so often missed. And then you have these cadence calls with no updates and eventually it fizzles out. So that's the kind of stuff I think is it's easy to avoid, but you got to be willing to invest.
1: You are so speaking my language. I talk about having a shared vision for what Better yes. together is what the partnership's going to drive. I love what you said about the Barney conversation, right? We come together and we all love each other, but we walk away and nothing happens. I talk about those meetings all the time. And what you said about that is ownership. And I call that maniacal focus. Like who is the person or people that have the accountability? What is it exactly? You used you used OKRs at Google. Google was early to OKRs. What are the objective and key results? Like how what are we going to drive against this? and we need to have the focus and deliberate set of actions that we're monitoring and measuring. Are we green, yellow, or red on those objectives?
0: Yeah, one of the things I do a lot when I'm talking to partners and they go, all right, what should we do first together? One of those things I will focus on is, let's find 10 customers. Let's really have a clear, ideal customer profile, a clear use case we're trying to solve for or implement, and let's go find 10. Really, really surgically focused and maybe we win one of those. And then you've got to win together. And then that you can get like the next order of magnitude going and get momentum built and all that. It's hard when like you're broad and loose and let's go get a hundred opportunities. Okay. Well, that's actually really hard to hold anybody accountable to.
1: So we know what success looks like because we've seen it at at SADA. You've seen it at Google. And we talked about this ownership and accountability. It's got to be the people have to be assigned to it. I think that's also the investment And SADA has invested considerably in building out your role, other roles within the organization to drive this. But what about organizations that didn't get it right? You had a purview for 12 years at Google. What do you wish you had said to those organizations that didn't get it right? I I
0: think maybe no. (laughs) Like Sometimes no is very powerful. Like any big company, right? There were partnerships we invested a lot of time and resources into that didn't net out. Like anything, like any opportunity, being disciplined about qualification and ensuring that you're both in it for the right reasons. Back to the operating principles, honestly, Vince. Sometimes there's the timing's not right and you have to move on and focus. I hear about this all the time in sales organizations, right? Where you hear about a rep who's struggling, not because that rep doesn't have the right activity or whatever, it's because they're focusing on the wrong customers where a little bit shift in the ICP and they can see massive success. And I think there's a similar trend around partnerships. You gotta be disciplined, you gotta be scrutinizing, and you gotta qualify. And I think that is sometimes hard to say no, but it really benefits both parties.
1: Yeah. And it's okay to triage every once in a while, right? Within your own ecosystem, you need to prune out the partnerships that aren't working the way you wanted them to. And I I still believe there's an 80-20 rule here as there is in most other business principles around partnerships. So Adam, for our listeners, many learning to build out ecosystems for the first time, what words of advice would you give to them?
0: Really focus on what your business objectives are as a company, not like from a partnership perspective, but what are the, like the C-level or strategic imperatives you have as a company and think about how ecosystem can create force multipliers around those imperatives. Start there. And the more strategic alignment you have, and you look at your ecosystem as a strategic way to create leverage and growth acceleration and success for your customers, that is where to focus. And that will enable you to ensure that you've got really, really good alignment with what's most important for you as a business and your ecosystem development. And I think that will make your roadmap extremely clear. I
1: love your advice here. Adam, as you might know, I'm fascinated with the career journey. Was there a spark or pivot that got you to this spot? In your career?
0: I think there's two. One was when my old VP of sales, I'll I'll tip the hat to him right now, Michael Locke, came to me and asked me to take on this ecosystem first role I had. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea what I was doing, but I jumped at the opportunity, and that was one big pivot. And there were points along the way where it was really hard. And I think I questioned that career for should I have stayed in the direct sales leadership path or not? But long term, I think it's enabled really just really fun jobs and working with interesting people on interesting things. And it's been good. I'd say the second spark was kind of late in my Google career when I proactively decided that I wanted to go take on the ISV part of Google Cloud Platform or Google Cloud's ecosystem efforts. This fundamental understanding that a cloud, hyperscale cloud is really like a big operating system and operating systems are only so useful without great software that runs really well on them and the ability to reach more customer use cases and consumption and all that. That was the second spark. And that's probably still where my passion really lies is this concept of hyperscale cloud platforms and software ecosystems and the multitude of technical and business opportunities that creates.
1: Such a big opportunity for everyone in this space. Was there a best piece of advice along that path?
0: Honestly, if I were to give myself advice or anyone coming up, it's do hard things. You learn so much along the way. And when I look back at the periods of my career where I've seen the most incredible growth It's usually when I'm struggling and doing really hard things or trying to figure out or like a good example would be you're in a job that hadn't existed before and you're trying to build something. Those are places where you can just really write the playbook and grow so much. And growth doesn't come from the easy fun times. Growth comes from the hard times. So there's points in your career where I think you really need to lean into that and not be afraid of it.
1: So Adam, let's have a little bit of fun. You're going away for a long trip, long business trip. And you can only take five songs on your playlist. You've got a very limited device. You might have an old Microsoft Zoom device. You can only record five songs on your playlist. What five songs would you select for this playlist and why? All right. So
0: I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a a different answer. I'm going to give you five artists because there's, I'm just like such a music fan and I love such a diverse set of music. So I would say Lil Wayne is the first one. I would say Tyler Childers is the second one. There's this amazing EDM house music DJ in Berlin named Jennifer Cardini. She'd be my third one. I'd uh, probably go Chris Stapleton as a fourth. And then maybe like Red House Painters. Or now I'll go Bonnie Iver for my fifth. So very diverse. I love it all. But I love it. Like, it's not so much about the genre of music, Vince. It's like the ones that give you that emotional feeling and are just so good. So I'm all over the place, but I think it's fun.
1: I love the fact you're all over the place. This would be quite a selection of music you'd be taking
0: along with you. <laughs> I just drove across the country with my daughter, and she liked some of it and really hated a lot of it as well. So I got to definitely feel old at points in that. Well, that ash. sounds
1: like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Love music, but I, mean, I love discussing it too.
1: Adam, I so enjoyed our conversation today. For our listeners, any final thoughts on optimizing for their success during this time?
0: First of all, I had a great time as well. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. I would say for anyone out there, we are entering, we're in a period of kind of economic uncertainty and there's going to be some tough times likely ahead, but those tough times create amazing opportunities. So I would just say what we're thinking at SADA is focus on the customer. The customer is your North Star. Put yourself in your customer's shoes and figure out how to like out innovate and out optimize your competition with that focus on the customer big opportunities always arise from challenging times like this if you focus on the right things.
1: The customer is the North Star. Great advice, Adam. Thank you again for joining Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Vince, thank you. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com.